that when you fail, you and take celebrate. a bow. Right? I am Deepu is taking a bow, I am right. taking a bow. It's better infused, let's say, infused with Colorado stuff, not what was legalized recently, <laughs> but the Colorado spirit. And I don't know about you, but right about now, I have a serious case of Colorado envy. Hello and welcome everyone. This is the Integrated Care Podcast, the official podcast of the Collaborative Family Healthcare Association. I'm Neftali Serrano, the Chief Executive Officer. I'm so happy to be here today and it's a special day for us because usually we're doing this podcast from the four corners, literally, of our nation. And today we have the privilege of being together in one space, a special space, which is the annual conference of the Collaborative Family Healthcare Association. We are in Denver, Colorado, actually in the lobby space of the uh, conference. So if you hear any background noise and things like that, that's intentional, that's just where we are today. And I've got some great friends here to introduce and a special guest as well. Um, so we're going to have a really fun time today. So, um, oh, and I should say that we, we use our annual podcast at the conference to really give folks out there a taste of what it feels like to be at the conference and to get a little bit of that buzz. So I hope that the listeners out there feel some of the uh, excitement and I will say some of the fatigue <laughs> that comes with a Saturday CFHA <laughs> conference. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to have my uh, podcast teammates introduce themselves. To my right, literally, is Mr. Jeffrey Rang. Jeffrey, say hello to the folks. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Greetings from Denver, health psychologist in Los Angeles. Happy to be here. This is Deepu George uh, in Denver, but from uh, McAllen, Texas, and happy to be here and talk to you guys about what it's been like since Thursday. Hi, everybody. It's Christine Borst. I'm faculty at Arizona State, but I do live in the beautiful state of Colorado and will never, ever, ever leave. And nor will your children leave because nor you have <laughs> manipulated them into <laughs> wanting to stay forever and ever. You heard it here first. <laughs> She's been subtly sort of planting seeds, apparently. Yes, yes. it's working. Uh, and, and note to the audience that her children are six and under. Yes, right, right, right. <laughs> it's never too soon, guys, to start yeah. manipulating your kids. <laughs> so we also have a special guest uh, filling big shoes. We were hoping to have Frank Degree, but no, note, no. shout out to Frank Degree. Shout out to Frank Degree. He will be on our podcast at some point. We will get him here and get his great wisdom uh, on the future of primary care. He's a great person. But I say that more facetiously than anything else. But we have a special guest who's actually been on the podcast in the past as a special interview, Larry Mausch. Larry, say hello. Greetings. It's uh, sort of an accident to be here and an honor and a pleasure. I'm Larry Mauch from Seattle, Washington. I'm emeritus faculty at the University of Washington Department of Family Medicine, mm -hmm. and I'm a proud member of CFHA since its beginning. And literally since its beginning. So mm -hmm. Larry has all the stories of uh, the development and the progression of each of the conferences and all that. So we're really pleased to have Larry here with us serendipitously. Yes. But, uh, very welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, Larry also has the uh, a moniker that has been assigned to him, uh, and I forget who was it. Susan that gave it oh, to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. It is the relational rabbi. rabbi. What a great moniker. Well, uh, I can tell you that uh, my mother, bless her heart, up there in heaven somewhere, is smiling from uh -huh. ear to ear. 
And she, she uh, uh, I'm sure, is very, this is probably the prou my proudest accomplishment of my entire life. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> right. That's fantastic. That's funny. That, yeah, I got, a, I got a kick out of that. And um, uh, I, I know that Susan uh, um, meant that with all kinds of affection. Yeah, and so what we're referring to is mm -hmm. our plenary experience yesterday. And actually, we're going to talk some about that plenary experience here in our conversation. And Susan was up there um, talking about the accomplishments here in Denver and their connection to the work that's been done in Rochester and the commonalities and relationships there. Uh, Larry's story was featured as one of the stories, mm -hmm. particularly in rural uh, integrated care um, here in Colorado. Yeah. So that's the context for it. So the relational rabbi. I think that one's going to stick, Larry. Okay, yeah. Well, that's okay. I, yeah. I can think of worse names to stick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, uh, as usual, we have our news and notes. And so I'm going to start us off with our news and notes. Well, before that, that reminds me of Kevin Radine, who I want to give a big shout out to. He's not here in person. I was that's hoping great. to have him here. But Kevin Radine has been editing our podcast forever. So Kevin, production magic, great. So Kevin, cue some uh, news and notes music for me. News and notes. I'm going to start us off, and this one comes straight to us from a conference goer, uh, Sandy Blount. So Sandy got really excited last night, texted me a link to the, uh, an article in the Boston Globe introducing a new bill by Governor Charlie Baker in the state of Massachusetts. And the headline is, Baker introduces new health care bill proposing sweeping changes. But the sub-headline is that in addition to a variety of other reforms, Baker said health systems need to start prioritizing primary and behavioral health care, not just shiny new medical technology. All right? oh. And so the feature, a central feature of this sweeping health care bill is actually the integration of primary and behavioral health care. Now, if that's not evidence of the work that Sandy's done, the work that the folks at UMass have done, uh, the work that lots of community health centers around uh, Massachusetts have done, from the ground up, really make a case for why it is important to the larger healthcare system to be attuned to the whole person. It's just a fantastic step to hear folks at that level of government specifically saying, this is a value for us. We need teams in healthcare, and those teams produce results that are qualitatively and quantitatively different than what we get from you know, the siloed systems that we have now. So really great uh, news. We will post that link in the show notes below. All right, so that's my news and note item. Jeffrey, you had something from the state of California. Yeah, so Governor Newsom signed some legislation this past week, mostly shepherded by Senator Holly Mitchell, to take on this terrible morbidity and mortality challenge of um, maternal and infant um, death and illness, particularly this, the disparity for African-American women. So moving forward, all physicians and PAs, and I think coming soon will be nurses, will be required to attend uh, courses in implicit bias training. Ah. That's incredible. There's also a movement, I think he signed also legislation for those working in the court system um, to take on the criminal mm. justice challenges mm. where yeah. bias, of course, is at play about mm -hmm. who is sentenced mm -hmm. for what. So um, uh, I'm just very uh, excited to be from California and proud that the leadership um, is taking this on with uh, truth and forbearance. Mm -hmm. um, and elections matter. Yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic. Do you know by any chance if uh, that implicit bias training is uh, sort of retroactive? So is it like during med school that this is going to be, or is this residency, or is it just after practice? It is practice? starting now. All practicing docs and PAs That's must awesome. undergo this kind of training moving forward. Wow. Brand new. That's huge. Wow. Yeah. And I think it has to be renewed every two years, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. That's okay. amazing. All right. That is well, speaking healthcare reform yeah. too. That is. Yeah, that's how you. That's how you specifically try to bridge the gap in those spaces, right? By attending to it, we hope we see the effects in a few years, research-wise, right, and reducing Absolutely. infant mortality. It's fantastic. Deepu, you have uh, a news and note item for us, right? I do not have a news and note item for you. Oh, who did someone else have a news and note item, or did I, I just, just imagine? Just the two of you that had. You guys right. had the question. All right. Well, Kevin, you can decide to cut that out <laughs> or no, don't cut it out, Kevin, because here's what we're going to do. This morning, we just learned in our opening plenary that when you fail, you I'm take so a bow. Yes. 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 Right. Right. That's so right. Bravo. I am. Deepu is taking a bow. I am right. taking a bow. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So fantastic. That is our uh, news and notes section. Uh, let's take a break. So here's the situation. You're a clinic trying to implement what should be a simple screening process for depression, and you're just not getting results. And you're trying to get your primary care providers working together with your mental health professionals, but the two sides just aren't jiving. Meanwhile, everyone agrees that the need is great and something needs to be done. Well, that's where CFHA's technical assistance services come in. We work with projects large and small from one hour consultations to 1,000 hours and help you implement integrated care pathways that are evidence-based and grounded in practical know-how. Our stable of consultants are here to help. Interested? Then simply go to cfha.net slash technical assistance or email us at info at cfha.net. Join the growing list of organizations who have benefited from the best guidance for integrated care around. That's cfha.net slash technical assistance or email us at info at cfha.net. And we're back. Uh, thanks for joining us again here at the Integrated Care Podcast. We want to give you a feel. We want to help you feel what it's like to be here at this conference. So what we decided to do for today's podcast is really talk about some of the impressions, some of the things that have really impacted us about being here, mm -hmm. and, and perhaps provide some perspective on where we are here compared to where we have been and what that tells us about the future, right? Because mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of energy and hope here in this space. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Deepu, can you start us off by just telling us a little bit about what has really struck you about being at CFHA this year? Absolutely. Um, so I am extremely privileged, and I always say this, and I think I'll say it for till my career or whatever I have left if it finishes, to be part of this community and this tribe really cares about attuning to whole person care. Uh, as a young family therapy trainee, I found out about medical family therapy very late, and I thought I could never get in, so I'm extremely fortunate to be here. What struck me is, as I get inspired by big uh, movements across the country, like Colorado story, the Rochester story, the Cherokee story, the Central Washington story, uh, the Wisconsin story, um, 
I always like used to get really uh, worried. Like, how is this going to be like the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley story, and um, sort of, sort of maybe lose hope in being inspired at the same time. But what I heard through Larry, what you said, through the different perspectives that were shared in the Colorado story, and from Dr. McDaniel's comments, is that every story is a region story. Mm -hmm. And it's different elements. And even reading uh, Dr. Degree's uh, reflections, one of the things that he says is, you don't have to lose hope, right? It's a, it's a gift economy. We're going to borrow. We're going to uh, acknowledge what we borrow. And we're going to make it our own and sort of build that sense of uh, regional story. So when I go back to Texas, when I go back to my system, that's part of the framework that I'm taking back with me. So my actions may still be the same, but the infrastructure that it's coming from is a lot, it's better infused, let's say, infused with Colorado stuff, not what was legalized recently, <laughs> but the Colorado spirit of, of what integrated care has meant to this community and the innovations academic health centers played for it. So I came away being really inspired uh, in a different way of just being here is inspiration itself. But uh, hearing from people like Larry, Dr. McDaniel, and other people who've like really shaped, who actually made my career possible, <laughs> that I have a job. Um, it uh, yeah, it sends me home with a different sense of uh, yeah. perspective. And you know, I think one thing that came across through that presentation in particular, um, and what was helpful about the way it was formatted was it gave you a sense of the longitudinal story. It gave you the narrative. Mm -hmm. And that narrative helps you see that actually this was a product of many people over many years and over a lot of work. Uh, so it's not something that, and there was, yeah, there was, uh, Larry's making these hand signals of like up and down, right? So Larry, I, I wonder if you can speak to that piece because there's a lot of young people out there just getting their feet wet very excited, mm -hmm. but can get discouraged sometimes mm -hmm. even when they see all the accomplishments that have been mm -hmm. done at, in these regions and states or at these particular health centers, and they feel like it should happen in six months. Yeah. Well, so keep holding on to the moniker of relational rabbi. Um, the, 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 the experience that I'm having, which I think completely uh, responds to your question, Neftali, is, uh, is described in the Yiddish word kvel, K-V-E-L-L. -L. And it literally means a parental pride. Not that the parent takes credit for, but loves the children or the students or the colleagues in such a way that there is this incredible sense of joy that comes. And for me, now 20 what is it, we started in 1994, um, to come to this meeting and reflect back, first of all, over the history of CFHA, which is a metaphor directly to your question, we almost closed, we almost shut down. Um, and now to have um, an executive director, a CEO, with the kind of enthusiasm, the multiple aspects of this organization, including its unbelievable financial health and membership, and thinking back, it's a remarkable sense of, of, oh my gosh, that's incredible, but we had to endure quite a bit. The same was true with the experience that I had at the Marillac Clinic. To, uh, after I left and some of the others were there and our money ran out from the grant that, grants that we got, the system 
almost went under and the cavelling that I have today is I met the new behavioral science director of the clinic and they're up and firing again. Nice. To see this morning's plenary speaker who is a former resident of mine. No. Yes. Who I know very well. That was Dr. Belinda Fu. Dr. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Belinda Fu, right. who I am very fond of and who I spoke about when she, when she was just beginning to think about this and talked about some of her struggles. And again, this is all her accomplishment. But to be able to sit and observe this gives me a kind of feeling that I guess maybe it's easier to get when you're 68 than when you're 38. But it's just absolutely wonderful. And the two presentations that I participated with, the two uh, um, presentations at the meeting, one plenary and one other, were with a bunch of people who I really admire and the audience response was great and we in both situations talked about our successes but definitely highlighted our failures mm -hmm. as things that we celebrated yeah. and it's always been uh, as a as a um, as a writer and as, as a therapist and as a researcher I've really come to honor what Belinda said this morning and that is value our failures as our most valuable learning possessions. Improv helped me take a failure bow. There's many versions of the failure bow. There's a professional failure bow. If you're getting tough feedback at work, you can simply straighten your shoulders and say, thank you. And then there's the personal failure bow, where when you're sitting by the front door of your house having just gotten this diagnosis and you're sobbing in tears or you're in your bed and you feel like you can't get up, you can call a friend and say, I need help and they won't, not burst into applause, but they'll come get you, and they'll pick you up and help you keep going. And I don't know that I could have done that if it were not for improv, for having actually practiced in a, in a little classroom, in a safe space, the ability to say, I'm not perfect, and to say thank you and accept the support from others around me. And that was just the beginning of how improv changed my life. Because from then, I thought, well, this whole life philosophy of perfectionism no longer works. So how will I carry on in the world? How will I move forward? And in the eight years that have passed since, I've slowly learned to attune to myself. I never really listened to myself before. I just jumped through the hoops that other people set out for me. And then having recognized those thoughts, I'm learning how to affirm them, to say that has value, and learning how to advance, to make choices in my life and in my words that put those thoughts out there in public. I'm here today to share this with you because that gift that fell in my lap taught me to acknowledge the gifts that are in my own life so I could pass that gift on again to you. Improvisation is about connection. It's about collaboration. So I hope that today, having learned about improvisation, about this cultivated intuition that guides our day-to-day -day spontaneous action, and having learned about the different skills of affirmation and attunement and advancement that we can use in our interactions with others and with ourselves, that it can help you in the work that you are all doing individually and collectively in your work to collaborate, to integrate, and to connect. Because you are different. You are the connectors. Thank you for connecting us all. That's no, fantastic. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I want to say something about this. There is a true tension here uh, uh, at the conference and in the larger world. On the one hand, Larry, we're, we're very much cavelling. 
Yes. I mean, the stories uh, that we've heard about um, in terms of integrated health are impressive. I mean, we, the conference began with Leslie Herod, the first African-American LGBT state representative in, in Colorado, right. who talked about a small tax for individuals that creates $40 million ongoing for improving mental health services. Incredible. So on the one hand, extraordinary progress that's linked to legislation and the clinical work that we do. And on the other hand, one walks in the streets of Denver and we see terrible poverty and homelessness and mental illness and <coughs> substance use. Now, that's an important tension for us to hold both mm -hmm. ends on. I think it fuels our work. Mm -hmm. But my question for you, Larry, in your presentation when you started this whole discussion about the progress in Colorado, you said at least 10 times, Larry, poverty mm -hmm. is the worst disease. That, that impacted me as well. Why did you have to repeat it so many times? Why is that a message so important in what you were saying? Well, um, part of it was because I was trying to, do, I mean, the, the simple answer is part of it was I was trying to create a, a poetic experience for people. And so in poetry, you have verse, but you also have chorus, and the chorus gives an underlying over, or overarching message. After I left my year in, at the Marillac Clinic, and for those of you that don't know, Marillac at that time only saw people who were uninsured, they had no insurance, and they were dirt poor. And I found myself making recommendations to them, and they looked at me like I was from Mars. Why don't you join a health club? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. get, a, get an exercise bike. Right. And then when we published, and I had to read to, to, to be able to write well, I had to read what we know about the relationship between poverty and health and systems dealing with poverty. I left actually saying to myself, Jeff, um, if you told me tomorrow that I had a choice to either smoke cigarettes or be poor, I'd smoke. Poverty has so many effects on all levels of one's existence, uh, the full range. And um, I, I think it was, it's one of the most profound lessons I've had in my 30-year career, to understand how powerful it is and how widespread the impact is on, on a whole person and whole culture health. And I, I'm really pleased that that message has been echoed uh, so the other plenary experience uh, with the, we, we had our opening plenary experience on policy that included a state representative and other uh, figures from other states. I think it was Colorado represented, Ohio. And Virginia. And Virginia. Virginia with two Medicaid yeah. experts. And uh, there too was reflected this uh, overarching notion that healthcare cannot ignore the context of people's lives. And so we use the phrase social determinants of health, right? But I think what was powerful about what you said, uh, Larry, in your presentation and the poetry of it was that you named poverty specifically, mm -hmm. right? It's one of the many social determinants of health, but when you name it like that, mm -hmm. it, it, I think, infuses some humility into our work. Mm -hmm. The knowledge that we're not gonna solve uh, all of healthcare's problems within the four walls of a clinic, mm -hmm. uh, that we have uh, actually our hands relatively tied when it comes to larger health outcomes. Mm -hmm. You know, we probably account for less than 15% of all the healthcare outcomes that, that exist. Mm -hmm. And so we have to infuse humility mm -hmm. in the work that we do. 
that also, I think that humility to what Deepu talked about also helps you have a little bit more of a long-term perspective mm -hmm. and a little bit more patience mm -hmm. as you build your program, as you deal with the, the, the tough uh, barriers that you experience. And I think it gives you that encouragement, that, uh, that alignment, I should say, with patients and their families around what they really need to live well lives. Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously not ignoring the poverty that, that is such a prevalent and weighty piece for mm -hmm. so many families. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Jeffrey, because I love that, uh, that mantra, that repetition, that hit home. Just to add, though, the other side of this was what I also tried to repeat was transformation lifts us up. Mm -hmm. And um, it doesn't solve all the problems, mm -hmm. but it infuses has infused me and the others that I've worked with, including the two teams of presenters yesterday, um, and Belinda, and you, and all of you. Uh, th there's an optimism that comes mm -hmm. from collaborating to transform with a hope and a goal and a vision. And that's very exciting. Yeah. And it's stories like the CFHA story, which, which infuse us and lift mm -hmm. us up. That's right. Yeah, and that's why we leave this conference both exhilarated and exhausted at the same time, every year, every year. So, fantastic. We want to give you a feel. We want to help you feel what it's like to be here at this conference, to really give folks out there a taste of what it feels like to be at the conference and to get a little bit of that uh, excitement. So today, I'd like to dig a little deeper into this story of CFHA's catalytic role in Colorado. Um, before I begin, though, I'd like to give a big shout out to Dr. Paul Tomlinson. Um, without his amazing creativity and mentorship, the following would not be possible. And as you can tell from my nerves, I'm going to beg your indulgence for the following and possibly your forgiveness. Dr. Wrights, drop the beat. A CFHA, a CFH, a CFHA, a CFHA. Colorado's got a, a catalytic converter, bringing stakeholders together like a cat herder, leveraging capacity through collaboration, all for the cause of better healthcare integration. CFHA, a CFHA. The 08 conference in the Mile High City was a catalyst all on its own. Talking about teamwork, how it's tricky, but it's the key to the medical home. Same year, from the Policy Summit, we got an integration to-do list. Find out what we're doing, who's doing it, and how much it costs. That would suggest evolution, stronger leaders, sustainability was in their sights. Removing barriers is what was needed. That's the work of Frank Debris and Randall Wrights. Colorado's got a, a catalytic converter, bringing stakeholders together like a cat herder, leveraging capacity through collaboration, all for the cause of better healthcare integration. A CFHA, a CFHA, integration, a CFHA. 2012 was all killer, and no filler with the launch of a project called SHAPE, led by the amazing Dr. Ben Miller. It was focused on removing the restraints of a fee-for-service, a payment system, with a new global payment structure. The Shape Partners, they gave assistance to change the reimbursement culture. The very next year, in 2013, the mantra was disrupting status quo. At every level, it was a new theme, because it's what we gotta do to change and grow. Colorado's got a, a 
catalytic converter, bringing stakeholders together like a cat herder, leveraging capacity through collaboration, all for the cause of better healthcare integration. A CFHA, a CFH, integration, a CFH. From the old days up to the present, CFHA has been a threat and catalyst. Care advancement and improvements, they don't just come about by accident. Collaborating on people's healthcare used to be a little bit radical, but advocating for people's welfare means looking well beyond the physical. Colorado's got a, a catalytic converter bringing stakeholders together like a cat herder, leveraging capacity through collaboration, all for the cause of better healthcare integration. A CFHA, a CFH, a CFHA, a CFH, boom. Fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Christine, what struck you this conference? You know, as we were talking in the plenary, they were talking in the plenary about the successes in Colorado and then Frank DeGray's article that I don't know we'd be posting show notes. Maybe? Yeah, we'll post the link. It's okay. actually already up on the Integrated Care News okay, site. Great. So if you're listening now, you can go directly to Integrated Care News. It's the lead article. Uh, at the top, so yeah, awesome. and we'll post it on the show notes. So as he's talking about kind of borrowing, um, you know, in the sharing that's happened and all of the collaboration, not to overuse that, um, I think of my time growing up professionally in CFHA um, versus a student and as a young professional and moving on in several different uh, positions, um, hearing about the successes in Colorado and um, how everybody came together nationally. And then I think back to my first time after we moved to Colorado when I was fairly into this, um, into CFHA, um, and going to UC Health for my first primary care visit in, in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the primary care clinic, and I noticed the whiteboard, you know, behind, and I see the BHC, you know, they have the BHC tag or something, and, and, and where he was, and um, I came in and, you know, they, they screened me. And my husband had had a similar experience, and the, the BHP popped in and you know, chatted with him. And so we came home that night and we're talking about our experiences. And I thought, oh my God, this all of a sudden, my world just got, it went from so big and abstract and all of these things to all of a sudden we're zoomed in, narrowed down, and there I was, that patient in Colorado, and it was just a regular part of care. And it was really, really cool to experience that. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, you brought up uh, Frank's uh, work. Um, so if you read the article, um, Frank talks about integrated care as a journey, essentially. Um, so I'll, I'll quote him here. It says, we're in the middle of a never-ending story. <laughs> and that really did impact me, because I'm at a stage of life. I'm at midlife. And midlife, I, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> He's looking at me. Like, <laughs> yeah, looking at Larry. Uh, it's a really interesting point of life because you kind of have a, a, a sense early in your life that at some point you're going to get there, right? You, you're going to arrive, and 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 that's where things will will not change, and uh, uh, things will be set. And you won't have that uh, 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 fear or imposter syndrome or whatever else you struggled with as a young person. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get to a sense of seeing the horizon. And this is what Frank describes very eloquently. And you realize, I've just made it up one hill or one mountain. Mm -hmm. I've reached one plateau. And there's many more to go. Mm -hmm. And that can be both awe-inspiring, 
or <laughs> uh, ah, right? Especially when you have teenage kids, oh, like I do, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I thought that apt analogy was so uh, a, a helpful analogy in, in large part because we've done a lot of great work in integrated care. And then if you really get up to that plateau and have your site set down the road, is primary care going to look exactly the way it looks today in 10 years? No, I don't think so. I think there's going to be a lot of things that change the way in which primary care operates, delivers care and all that, and that's going to affect the way our teams are formulated. And as the plenary experience that Larry was part of, yes, there are core principles, right, that are going to transfer over. Uh, but there's all this work that we still have left to do to figure out how to make our teams work more effectively, more efficiently together, uh, break down the silos, break down the guild uh, issues uh, amongst our teams, um, and then all the different ways in which we need to really meet patients and their families more effectively, more flexibly, more relationally, more attuned. Uh, to, to what they're doing. And with um, innovation, um, creativity, and um, narrative approaches to mm -hmm. the actual clinical encounter, mm -hmm. right? That's the sort of storytelling side of relationship-centered care. Right. And I just want to do a quick shout-out to a session I attended. This was Patty Robinson from Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. talking about pain and managing pain through focused acceptance and commitment therapy. She said, can we help people to hold pain as if it were... Um, to hold it tenderly as if it were holding a crying baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was an extraordinary metaphor and picture about um, you know, something that is not always welcomed and wanted, but it's, it is, it has arrived. Yeah. And there's pain in our bodies, and there is certainly pain in our communities, and how do we bring the tenderness forward? I just loved the way she spoke about it. She had an incredibly calming voice. She was the spirit of mindful presence. It was a great session. Yeah, yeah. And she's sort of an elder statesman as well, uh, among many here that we benefit from uh, at CFHA that inspire us. I, I want to actually read a quote from Frank's uh, thing that, that encapsulates this. And it makes me think that one of the themes of this conference for me are the many metaphors and images mm -hmm. that I will leave with, like yours. So this is something Frank says, let's stop and remember why we're doing this. To help people become a little healthier. In order to do this in our own particular way, which is through the rendering of, of advanced team-based care, in my case, advanced team-based primary care, it's only proper to remember who got us here. I'm not going to drive this back to your birth or the privilege you might have enjoyed along the way, but to a different notion of how we get and give help. I'm going to drive this back to the notion that we live in a gift economy, right alongside the economy based on exchange of money and services. So people work to figure something out. You take what we already know, put it together in a new way, sweat your way through a trial or experiment or program, and do some good and learn something. And come here and tell me about it or publish it, and I read it. All free and clear for me to use as I wish. I collect that stuff together, sort through it, use the pieces that fit my particular problem, and then try something. I work to do all of this, and then I give it to you, free and clear, to use as you see fit, a gift economy. Isn't that sweet? Yes. Beautiful. Yes. It's, it's a, um, 
uh, we, we are all in a way, uh, this is speaking as that 68 year old, in a way we're all sort of grains of sand. And what we create at the time feels like our own, and it should be in some ways, but then people take it and they do different things with what we and so many other people have done to build and create and expand uh, and, and renovate. Um, and there's a delight and a humility, I think, that comes with it. But underlying all of that, there's a, I mean, a wonderful hope uh, that I think Frank is uh, capturing in the words that you just read. And we can only give gifts if we're receiving gifts. And again, this is what I celebrate about CFHA as an organization and as uh, this meeting. This is a place of extraordinary gift giving. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you, Neftal, and your leadership, like there are just so many ways that we can take tangible tools and gifts and connections and um, technical assistance and learning. Um, this is a fantastic fueling for what is, I think, uh, a really grueling path and will continue to be moving forward. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think one of the things that's so beautiful about this conference isn't necessarily the sessions, but the time in between where we're allowed to organically connect and reconnect with people from all different times and, and people that it's like, wait, how do you know, you know them? And yes, and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, beautiful things I think really can come from that. Right. And just in that connection and that networking, I, I think beautiful things grow from there. A lot. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, that's the ethos of CFHA right there. And uh, what Frank highlights there is this, this free gifting, mm -hmm. free gift economy, I think uh, is what integrated care is about. Because in teams, right, and Belinda Food talked about this so so well, right? There's a sense of of if you approach a team using the medical improv was the name of the title of her uh, session today. She taught us improv skills, um, and she taught us that there are actually specific skills that you can uh, practice and learn to prepare for situations that where you need to improvise, like a clinic setting, like a team-based care setting. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh my goodness, this encapsulates like how we train medical assistants, right? How we train physicians to, to interact with medical assistants. Uh, it, it, it's how we, uh, as behavioral health professionals, interact with all members of our team, our dietitians, our pharmacists, our nurses, et cetera, right? And implicit in that is this sense of uh, we own this, not a I own this, right? Not an I'm the expert mm -hmm. and you ought to listen to me because I do behavioral health stuff and I know there's a sense in which I have gifts to bring to the team and you have gifts to bring to the team and together those gifts make something more, more potent when it comes to patient care than if I come with my ego or my specialty or my boundaries mm -hmm. of, of who I am as a professional. Uh, and and that's, that's what I love about this, this time with folks here at the conference. And it almost seems like a parallel process. What happens here in between yeah. is so vital. And right. what happens in a clinic in between, right. is that's where the magic happens. That's where you learn to trust each other and work together. It's not in you know, the formal sit-down meetings or the, you know, in the exam room. It's, it's everything else. Yeah, we, uh, um, we uh, used to, Don Block and I uh, sometimes referred to that as interstitial, the interstitial aspects of care. Interstitial meaning the space between the cells. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so important. 
And just for those of you out there listening, Don Block is one of the uh, credited as being one of the founders of CFHA. He's, he's sort of he's definitely the main convener of all the folks who were the founders of CFHA. Absolutely. Um, and uh, is also uh, the seminal award uh, provided each year. Um, in his when, name. Yeah, in his in name. His name. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, fantastic. Uh, one other thing before we kind of talk about our, um, before we do our lead out. As a team, we uh, celebrate the comings and goings, and I want to let people out there know that uh, Jeffrey Ring is uh, going to be leaving us, not like leaving us forever, but leaving the podcast as a responsibility. I think in part because we've been waking him up too early. Uh, you know, we're on opposite sides of the coast. So, Jeffrey, what time have we been waking you up at? Yeah, we get an early 6 or 7 a.m. Yeah, 6 or 7 a.m. Yeah, and and uh, Jeffrey's often in his beautiful office <laughs> in L.A. by then, so that means you've woken up much earlier than that to get there. So you were a founding person in our podcast, have done an outstanding job, have become a friend to us all, to me personally, over that time. So I want to thank you, but I want to give you a chance also to just say goodbye and reflect a little bit on your time with us. Yeah. Thank you, Neftali. Yeah, it feels like the right time to sort of move away and create a space for other voices. Um, and um, it is not without sadness and great ambivalence. This is a precious marker of the passage of uh, the months mm -hmm. as we think about and prepare and um, and, and sit together, you know, either live or virtually, and talk about really, really important uh, issues. So I'm incredibly connected to each of you, and uh, we'll miss the formality of our conversations, but I know that they will uh, continue. Um, but if I could just say, you know, Christine, you, you bring um, the voice of uh, the academic world and the perspective of learners with their open-eyed curiosity. Um, Bridget, who's not here, um, taught us that behavioral health interventions are like reps in the gym and that she really provides the chance to do and do and do some more. Amber, with you, we have um, journeyed from your role as student into a full-fledged professional and it's extraordinary mm -hmm. to watch. Uh, Grace, so perfectly named. Grace, mm -hmm. how right. you manage uh, triplets, triplets mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know life challenges and an extraordinary voice of uh, of integration and whole person care in the right. residents that, that you work with. And Deepu, whoa, what an incredible warrior for social justice and health down in that border region that is uh, so beleaguered right now. Um, and then you, Neftali, I'm so grateful, as I always say, for your kindness and smarts and leadership and um, uh, sort of ability to put your fingers on the pulse of what's happening in the greater world and ways to improve the health of our nation, but also what's happening on the pulse of we who are, are doing this work out in the field and uh, your generous gift giving and um, creating this home for all of us to come together and uh, soak up you know, greatness, um, uh, ever appreciative. So I will um, miss you all, I will be listening and uh, look forward to the other and many ways that our paths continue to cross. Yeah, and so uh, I told this, I ta told this to Jeffrey before, but um, He's going to leave an impression. Anytime you talk to Jeffrey, he has a, an integrity about him and about his passion, particularly your passion, Jeffrey, that will live on in our podcast and on our conversations. Just the infusion of issues of social justice and health equity 
um, and remembering always um, the marginalized in our society mm -hmm. and remembering our uh, the privilege that we have and the ways in which we ought to exercise that privilege on behalf of the marginalized, uh, that will always stick with me. So, uh, well, one of my I, great teachers taught me that poverty is the worst disease and the way right. that it stinks, right? <laughs> oppression and racism and right. the ways the world needs to be perfected that's right. and improved. That's, uh, well, that feels like the, the, the calling for me in this work. Yeah. Jeffrey, I have, this is Larry, I have known you um, for several years and followed your work much longer. And um, you have had an impact on the field of primary care, which is profound um, as a teacher and helping people know how to engage audiences. And you've taught me about that. We've talked about that. You've talked about understanding the importance of culture and taught mm -hmm. so profoundly about that. But what I want to say is, anytime I'm in your presence, I feel a kind of love and respect and delight for the world that is very special and unique uh, that you emanate. And so um, I think it was a good choice. I didn't know, I, now I know, that these podcasts were going on, but that you were, you were helping orchestrate this was a damn good choice. Thank you, Larry. And I think something that the listeners can't see, um, but I'd like to point out, every time I see Jeffrey, he has an exquisite sense of style. Oh, yeah. And Holy smokes, yeah. he has an incredible floral pattern on right now. And I remember <laughs> last year at CFHA, yes. he had That's a right. fantastic tie. And so, Jeffrey, I think that that counts, too. Not only are you this complex, <laughs> incredible person, but you also look good doing it. Well, thank you. I hope that um, both Nordstrom's and <laughs> Banana Republic will become sponsors, sponsors of the podcast. There we go. We're always looking for sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Always looking for sponsors. You heard it here. So, Thanks. yes, you had an, I, I didn't mention it yesterday, but you had a shirt on that had bikes, right? No, those were um, animals from the jungle. Oh, they were wow. animals from the jungle. Are you sure it wasn't bikes? Yeah. <laughs> I imagined it as bikes. Were they animals? I mean, it doesn't make it any less nice. Yeah. It's right. just... <laughs> Trust us, everybody. Yeah. We just, it's very... <laughs> Jeffrey Ring is a beautiful man inside yes. and out. That's, That's what we're true. saying. Thank you so much. And I think we actually also have two of the best dressed uh, 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 integrated care podcasters uh, on the male side here between Deepu and Jeffrey, oh, yeah. I thought you were going to call yourself out no, too, because you no. always, but you always look sharp too. So I'm okay, but there's a certain level of uniqueness to the <laughs> ways in which these gentlemen present themselves, which I, I think honestly does reflect the beauty within. That makes it fun to do this. So we're going to miss you, um, but your voice will live on. You're always welcome, right? Um, and particularly as you continue your work, and if there's a particular thing you want to talk about, just you know, you know where to get us. I do. Thank you, Neftal. Yeah. Well, uh, for the listeners out there, we hope that you have a taste of what it's like to uh, attend a CFHA conference, and more than that, to really redefine who you are as a professional, right? Um, we're not a cult. Uh, <laughs> we're not trying to draw everybody in, but we're trying to have a bright, shiny light that says, there's a way to do healthcare that's different. It's different for you as a healthcare professional, and it's different for your patients and your families and your communities. We can do better. And there's hope in that, and we hope that you have a sense of that hope today.
So we do a lead out. Uh, actually, Deepu had to leave for a uh, session with Jody Palaha, another great person here at the conference. Name so, yeah. <laughs> well, we can name drop a bunch of That's names right. here at this conference, right? But uh, so Deepu is not able to do it. Usually, his voice is the centering voice that I love to leave with at the com uh, at the end of a podcast. But it'll have to be my voice today <laughs> for you for you guys out there. So here is uh, Deepu's brief blessing for us and for you out there as listeners. It was also something that was quoted by Susan McDaniel at her presentation last year at a Rochester conference, left an impression with me at the time as well. In our every deliberation, we must consider the impact of our decisions on the next seven generations. We're so glad you joined us today. Tune in next month for the next edition of the Integrated Care Podcast. For CFHA, I'm Dr. Neftali Serrano. We love having you with us. Thank you.